The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about changing behavior. And of course, when we change our behavior for the better, it also transforms our relationships. So we are going to be speaking with this wonderful guest today who's the author of Changing Behavior, Immediately Transform Your Relationships with Easy-to-Learn Proven Communication Skills by Georgiana Donatio. So let me tell you a little bit about Georgia. Georgiana. She has a wonderful background. Uh, for the past 30 years, she has been a pioneer in the field of behavioral health, and she's worked with healthcare professionals and patients to change behaviors that, in, that really lead to improved health. And for the first time, her pioneering work is the foundation for her newly published book, the one I just told you about that I have right here in my hand, Changing Behavior, Immediately Transform Your Relationships with Easy-to-Learn Proven Communication Skills. She is a sought-after integrative health practitioner, behavioral health and relationship expert, a media personality, and a best-selling author. And, you know, she has done um, uh, blogging for a long time now, too. She is a popular blogger for Huffington Post and Dr. Oz's Teen Daily Strength. And her expertise has been showcased in hundreds of print, online, radio, and TV interviews. In fact, she hosted her own nationally syndicated cable TV show for 20 years called Woman to Woman, which explored all sorts of topics of interest to women with a special focus on relationships, because that's what women do. We focus on relationships. And she is a proponent of the important role nurses play in healthcare. And because of that, she, Georgiana was one of only six American Florence Nightingale scholars. Her work in behavioral health motivated her to establish the Boston-based National Institute of Whole Health. And she's even developed behavioral engagement, the first known whole person health education and health behavioral change model. So you can find out more about her not only at our website at KUCI, I mean at uh, conflicthealing.com, but also at changingbehavior.org. So thank you, Georgiana, for joining us today. We sure, sure appreciate having you. 
Well, thank you, Mari. I'm so I'm so impressed with the introduction. I <laughs> that was really something. Thank you. Oh well, that was, well, we're, we, that was we, the whole bio. I think. Yeah we, yeah, we we want people to know who we're talking to. So I have this wonderful book in my hand, and and I love the cover. It's really cute with people trying to you know these people talking to each other with confusion it looks almost like confusion that they're trying to transform their relationship so why did you write this book well uh it's really quite simple i mean the basic answer to that is i came from a profoundly dysfunctional poorly communicating family and I guess from the time I was very young, you know, I, I never developed the skills to actually have good communication skills within relationships. So as a result, like most people, you know, I banged around and had a lot of very painful and um, unfortunate experiences and relationships. And when I got into healthcare, which I've been in, I'm embarrassed to say, for almost 50 years, I started off in nursing when I was very young back in the day. You could be a nurse's aide at 15. And when I started off in healthcare, as I evolved from nursing to nutrition, graduate school, and, you know, on and beyond, uh, what happened was I realized I was very interested in observing how doctors and nurses and patients related to one another. And I was interested and watching the functional and the dysfunctional communication. And so that led to a whole process of doing many years of research with doctors, nurses, educators, and patients. And from there, from that research, what happened was it blossomed into how these communication skills were now impacting on the families of the nurses, the families of the doctors, the employees, the staff, how the patients' own familial relationships started to change. So what became very clear and was very satisfying for me personally is to do enough uh, studies over the 32 years that we were able to prove skills that clearly changed the way we heard each other, the way we listened to each other, and the way we had relationships and what the outcome of those relationships were. Oh, and it, it's so important because when you're ill, you want everybody to be a team. <laughs> Right. You want them to get along. You want them to provide really collaborative uh, approaches to how to make you healthy again. And if the doctors and nurses are fighting or if they're all in, you know, a poor relationship and they had problems with their family before they come in, it really is going to impact your health as well. Right. Oh, absolutely. So what we did after uh, we gathered all this information and we did all the research is we started uh, bringing this out to different organizations. And we worked with cohorts of nurses, and we're still working with cohorts of nurses, uh, and we're working with different uh, groups like Dr. Oz's Health Corps group, and we're working with Spalding Rehab, and we've worked with Mayo Clinic nurses and uh, very uh, many organizations that want to improve their cultural environment within their office, within their um, particular organization. And this is another critical thing because the areas of suffering where we suffer the most are in our personal relationships and also our professional relationships. Relationships are the number one most important factor in our health, happiness, and longevity. And most of us are not 
in any way prepared or trained to be effective communicators and to have effective relationships. We learn on the job. We learn with our ears and our eyes when we're children. And that's what we bring to our relationships. And as we know from the divorce rate, uh, those are not very good skills because people do marry uh, mostly for love. And unfortunately, what happens is the communication and the alienation uh, and the disconnection is brought about by failure to communicate. There was a, a, a movie, um, Cool Hand Luke, where one of the classic lines in this movie was the, the jail uh, warden turns around and he says, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And it's one of the most <laughs> classic movie lines that people quote all the time. And that is exactly what goes on. Uh, I mean, I know you're an arbitrator. Mediator, and, uh, mediator. Uh, Mediator. mediator. Well, mediator, arbitrator. I, no, there is um, a you big know, difference. My husband's an attorney and does a lot of that, too. And I think that the whole idea behind mediation and even arbitration is getting to yes for both people. And how do we do that? We have to realize that our feelings, our beliefs, our values are, are aligned, that we have shared uh, shared common goals and shared common feelings and beliefs and values. And so when we're communicating to one another, if we do not have the right kind of listening skills, if we do not have the right kind of communication skills, what happens is we suffer. And so the book was written, and I, I will tell you, I was dragged kicking and screaming. I did not want to write the book, uh, didn't want to have anything to do with it, but it had to be done. And <laughs> I'm shocked to tell you that the book has won two awards. It's, uh, uh, it's number one top rated on five Amazon Kindle lists. It's best selling on five Amazon Kindle lists. And uh, it's a real surprise to me, but the book has done extremely well. And I think the reason for it is we wrote it in a very clear style of communication. It's down to earth, it's demystified, it's simple, and it gives people the skills, immediate skills, that they can walk away from that book and immediately begin to transform their relationships. And when, if we have a little time later, I'll tell you a, a couple of stories that were uh, shared with us about how immediately the, uh, the book was actually able to transform relationships. Well, you can tell us about a couple of those now. Go ahead. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, there are so many. Uh, there's one. The most. One of the most recent things is we had a, a gentleman. I have no idea who he was. He wrote a review uh, for the book, and he says, "Well, you know, it was a good book, and blah blah blah." He said, "And I, uh, you know, I have to say that the only experience I had uh, with this uh, with this methodology after I read the book was the next morning I had a communication with my seven year old daughter, and if I had to put a number on it, I'd have to let you know that um, it." definitely transformed or improved my relationship with my daughter by 50%. And it was very clear that she really appreciated that for the first time in a long time, I was really fully present to her. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's amazing to me, you know, that, that somebody can read a book and the next morning go downstairs, talk to their daughter over breakfast, and feel that their relationship, that the intimacy of their connection was 50% improved. And we get letters all the time. I have a, a four-page letter on my desk 
from an incarcerated um, gentleman who wrote the most amazing letter about how this book has changed his whole understanding and perspective on many of the things, the behaviors and the beliefs that he had in his life and in his relationships that caused a lot of the difficulties that he's experienced. And it was really a, quite a, a touching letter, and um, I was so pleased to receive it. Someone that I know had actually sent him a copy of the book and, uh, you know, you don't really think that your book is going to touch the, the breadth of lives that it does, but we've heard from people, everything from, you know, people who are about to lose their job and they, you know, had a conversation with their boss and they took a whole different track than they normally did and it changed the whole communication and relationship. We've had people who were in mar- relationships and marriages that were about to get divorced and started talking to each other with this new awareness and this new uh, respectful listening and presence and, you know, they they stopped getting divorced. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's, it's kind of an amazing thing to hear that and it does, it does mean that you have to want to change your relationship, number one. And number two, that you're willing to, uh, read and listen and hear and be present to what not only you need, but what we all need as human beings in order to have good connected relationships. Yes. Georgiana, you have a 12-step process that you use for effective communication. Would you be able to go through those 12 steps? Because I think now that people have heard that that you've gotten letters, that people found that it was so helpful to them, let, let's give them a, a taste of the book. Oh, absolutely. And let me just interject this, Mari. If anyone would like a free download of Chapter 1, you can go to changingbehavior.org. You can get a free uh, chapter of the book. There are only four of them, so you can get uh, 25% of the book. You can download it. You can also go to Amazon, and if you are a Kindle Prime, you can get it for free, and you can borrow it. So it is available uh, without cost if you're looking for that. Step number one, and this is important, the first thing we have to do is realize that we need to be physically comfortable whenever we're talking to someone. A lot of times we don't realize it, but we're sitting there very tense. We've got our legs crossed, our arms crossed, our mind as we've already kind of prepared ourselves for what we believe is going to happen or what we're afraid might happen. So the first thing we have to do when we are going to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with someone that we care about or a relationship that's important to us is we have to approach this conversation with an understanding that we need to be receptive. Receptive means that we are present, that we are listening, that we are not predetermined how things are going to turn out, that our legs are uncrossed, our arms are uncrossed. We're sitting in a comfortable position so that we can really pay attention without jiggling our legs and playing with our charm bracelet or pulling on our eyeglasses. So we need to stop and we need to center and we need to determine and decide that what we want to do is we want to be present, we want to be in that conversation, we want to be in that relationship. So number one is get comfortable and make your determination that indeed you do want to uh, be present and you want to 
start to clear and focus. And you do not want to go into this distracted, worried about, you know, your laundry or what you're going to get for dinner. So step one, clear the mind, relax physically, relax psychologically. And step two is that you want to make sure that you are physically in a comfortable environment. You don't want to be sitting at the edge of a sofa or pacing around or leaning up against a wall. If you're going to have a conversation with someone, be in it for the long term. Be comfortable mentally and be comfortable physically. Step three is that the way that we are sitting, uh, and this is what we suggest is that if you're going to be sitting with someone, you want to be as centered in your sitting as possible. So you don't want to be slumped forward. You don't want to be leaning back. If you don't want to be forward and be aggressive, you don't want to be back and be passive. You want to be sitting in a nice centered position. And very importantly, you want to look at the individual that you're speaking to. Eye contact is a very critical part of the model that we call pure presence. Why? Eye contact has to do with how we communicate the unconscious mind, the limbic system, which is a part of our brain where all of our feelings and our knowledge and emotions are stored, our feelings and our knowledge about our emotions are stored. The limbic system is expressed through the eyes, and that's because the optic nerve runs along the side of the limbic system. And that's why they say the eyes are the seat of the soul. You can look at a person and you know everything they feel. Why? Because the, all the cranial nerves that control every minute little cell and muscle of the eye function and the iris function and the muscles around the eyes, all of those uh, functions are controlled by the emotional part of the brain. So that's why you can look at someone and you know how they feel. Or if somebody's a poker face, they may not reveal their feelings, but if you look in their eyes, you can tell a lot about what's going on. So soft eye contact, non-judgmental, soft eye contact. That's not probing, that's not staring, that's not glaring. It's looking respectfully softly and without judgment at another person and holding that contact, maintaining that contact. Because what we know is that oxytocin, which is the trust hormone and the love hormone, that hormone is stimulated when we look in another person's eyes and we feel that they are respecting us and that they are present to us. The opposite happens when we look in someone's eyes, someone's eyes and we feel that, you know, th- that's not such a good situation. We become fearful and we actually, uh, you know, will go into a fight or flight at that point. So soft, non-judgmental eye contact. Another important factor, step four, is what is your intention? What are you bringing to this? What do you want the outcome to be? Are you sitting there saying, oh, I'm really going to tell you, I'm going to show you just how, you know, how awful you are or how stupid you were? Or are you sitting there with the intention of being receptive, of going uh, to you know, approach this conversation for the best possible outcome for both of you. What are you bringing to the conversation in your mind? Because whatever we bring in our mind to that conversation, whatever we want to see as an outcome, is going to infiltrate that exchange. And that's a really important thing that most of us don't do. We don't think about, okay, what do I want out of this? 
What am I bringing to this? If somebody says, I really want to reconcile with my spouse, that's a very different intention than saying, I want to show that son of a gun exactly what I'm going to do for him for leaving me, you know, for someone else. So our intention is really important. Step five is... Um, if we have requested, let's say we've requested a conversation with somebody, you know, we said, you know, I'd like to talk with you. It's very important that we ask our question. We might say, Mari, tell me how you felt after you and I went to lunch and, and I, you know, didn't bring my credit card and I told you I was going to take you out, you know, to eat. We ask a question and then we stop. We don't ask a question and then continue to talk about our feelings. What happens so often in conversations is we'll, we'll be in a conversation and we might ask a person a question, but we don't stop there. We don't give them time to think and to respond and for us to listen to them. So what we want to do is we want to give time and respect to allowing people to respond to our questions. We need to be, in step six, we need to be responsive without interjecting. If we want to let people know we're listening, we can smile and shake our head and we can respond visually and with our face. But when we start jumping in, when we start uh, interrupting people when they're sharing their feelings with us, this is another big killer in terms of good relational rapport. Step seven, and this is the hardest thing for any of us to do, is to allow, to respect, and to welcome the silence that goes on in between sentences. And for most of us, if we're talking to someone, if someone's talking to us, we usually have either the need to interject our thoughts and our feelings, a need to be seen, be heard, be paid attention to, or we have so much anxiety that we can't just be and allow the exchange of thoughts and feelings and ideas to settle in and we can receive them better that way. So this is an important thing. Receptivity has a lot to do with being secure in allowing the silence or the space in between the words. Those are the first seven steps. Would you like me to go further? Yeah, yeah, I would. You know, I wanted to go back to that. I didn't want to interrupt you. But when you were talking about the questions, um, it's really important, as you said, to ask a question and wait for an answer. But if you ask an open-ended question, you're going to get a better answer than if you ask a close-ended that calls for a yes or no. So it's always important to have an open-ended question, like you were giving an example. How'd you feel, Mari, when I forgot my credit card? As opposed to, were you mad at me when I forgot my credit card? So that, uh, that's just really important to make sure it's an open-ended question, right? Right. Thanks for bringing that up. I would say that's a good point. I would say the only exception is if it's a husband and a wife or if it's a child and a, and a parent and they're asking a very specific question like, sweetheart, tell me how you felt um, the other night when you came home and you had been so upset. Tell me how you felt that it wasn't comfortable for you to come and, you know, talk to us about it. Yeah, and, and I meant that as a, yeah, be, yeah, I, I meant yeah, that as an open-ended. Yeah, really be, yeah, yeah. Uh, be specific. We'll go on to number eight. Yes. This is another very difficult thing for us. Being patient 
being patient with another person is it can be uh, it can be a challenge because a lot of times we're so outcome oriented and and detail oriented that we don't realize that for me or for you or for any of us to experience an expansiveness, a sense of I'm not being judged. I'm really able to express myself. I'm able to explore what I really think and feel. One of the things we need to bring to our conversation is patience. Especially we see this between men and women all the time. We're having a conversation and we want an answer, okay? <laughs> we want an answer. You'll even see that in business a lot where, you know, uh, these are executives or this is the boss or whatever, and they want an outcome and they want an answer. When people are not allowed to have those three or four seconds just to stop and just to breathe and to know that somebody is not standing over them with a stick, it changes the whole quality of their ability to trust what our intention is and to have that feeling of expandedness, a feeling of I can express myself. And that is such a wonderful feeling. And more importantly, and this is step number nine, our intention becomes our agenda. And a lot of times, what we really want in a conversation is for the other person to have a new insight. We call it, in changing behavior, we call that the, uh, the overlapping brain experience. And it's that aha moment where someone actually has their thinking brain connect with their feeling brain. And we all have examples of that because we can drive down the street in a car and we're thinking of something that, you know, is really important to us and what we're really doing is working from another part of our brain and we arrive at our destination and we go, how did I get here? I don't remember driving here because our brain was working from another part of itself. And when you have that brain overlap, you have the feeling brain and the thinking brain coming together. That's when we have aha moments. That's when we have these exciting shifts in behavior. And that can only happen when a person has the time to allow the brain to actually overlap in itself. So when we're asked a question and we're being looked at respectfully and without judgment and we are making this limbic connection, that individual can go, whoa, and they suddenly cognate on something that they're then able to share with us. And those are those great moments in our lives, those great moments in our relationships where things change. And so if we want things to change in our relationships, we have to understand the neurodynamics of how it happens, and we have to have the respectfulness, the mindfulness, the patience. We have to have the intentionality and the presence to allow this amazing shifting to take place. Step 10 is simply, we use I statements. We don't say, uh, 
what's wrong with you is yeah. <laughs> we can say is I feel and it's my experience that I feel very unlistened to or unheard or unseen when I speak with you and the reason is but we never we never tell people who they are and we don't make statements that we don't own we have to own that statement that's an I statement Georgiana and, uh, Georgiana step- Georgiana we are out of time so I think we got wow. through I know we got through ton of them so this is a good reason for someone to go and take a look at changing behavior immediately transform your relationships with easy to learn proven communication skills there's so much in here and you have two more so at least the people can uh, give your website again and then we're going to have to go changingbehavior.org download a free chapter and Mari thank you so much for having us on okay you take care we will talk to you again soon bye bye Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI.org, and I am Mari Frank, the host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Please visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us an email about what's important to you about changing behavior in your life and the conflict and how to resolve conflict in your life. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. It's about trust. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.